My name is Si, as Dunk said, and uh, it's my privilege to share God's word with you. I hope you've been uh, enjoying the, the current series we're doing on faith, on faith to see God break through in, in different areas. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've looked at a number of characters uh, in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament. We saw how despite being in a totally depraved generation, God gave Noah faith to be different. And through that faith, he saved Noah and his family through the judgment was to come. And we likewise uh, look to God to give us that faith to be different to the generation around us. We saw a couple of weeks ago when Dunk spoke about God's unconditional calling of Abraham, who was a, who was a pagan worshipper, we're told in Joshua, and yet God meets with him and calls him to follow him. And Abraham, through faith, follows God. And we likewise are called as God's elect people, to follow him into all that he has got for us. We looked at last week, we looked at Isaac and how the promise and the blessing of God was limited to be through Isaac and through his descendants, and not all his descendants, in fact, through Jacob, as we'll see today as well. And, and likewise, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but receive eternal life and how we're called to put our faith in him and when we do that he gives us faith to be faithful to the promises of God in our lives and today we're going to look at Jacob who if you like is kind of like the Del Boy trotter of the uh, of the Old Testament if you like he's a bit of a wheeler dealer is is our Jacob and God gave him faith to change. And likewise, as we look to God, he can give us faith to change us, to make us more and more like himself, to make us more like Christ Jesus, which he's calling us to, to, to be like. And to help ground this for you, I thought I'd uh, just share my story with you. Some of you would have heard this already, but some of you will not. You see, when I was at school, I, uh, I was uh, not particularly uh, a nice Lad, I wanted to be one of the, 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 the tough guys, as it, as it were. So that's the sort of lifestyle I lived. I got into um, uh, drinking and drugs. I got into fighting and vandalism, um, uh, being rude. I was in trouble at school a lot. I was nearly excluded, uh, but I wasn't, thankfully. And when I, was a, when I finished my GCSEs, I worked in a fish and chip shop restaurant, and um, the owner of which was an alcoholic. Uh, so he would often, he'd be drinking during the day and that sort of thing. So me and my friend thought, ah, he's always drinking. He's not going to notice if me, if we, once in a while, me and my friend stole a crate of Bud out, out the back door. So that's, that was what we used to do, uh, Budweiser, that, that is. And, um, and then when we were there, we used to go and help ourselves to a, a drink as well. And then one day, I went downstairs into the big walk-in fridge that they had down there, took a, a Budweiser off the shelf just to open it and, and just sort of drink it, and I couldn't because I knew it was wrong. I don't know how, but I knew God was watching me. And I can remember, I had it in my hand, and I remember thinking, oh, uh, okay then, I'm sort of putting it back, having that strange feeling of, oh, I, I, won't, I won't do that, I was just admiring the the bottle and uh, put it back and, and went out. And over the course of the next two weeks, things like that 
happened all the time. Things that I could normally do that were wrong, that I didn't even have to think about because I just would, would do them. I knew that God was watching me and I could no longer do those things. And then I eventually plucked up the courage to speak to a Christian and I said, why do I feel so bad all the time? Why do I hate talking to you about God? And why do I hate it if I hear Christians worshipping God? And he said to me, because you're living your life in sin. You know what you're doing is wrong. And God's challenging you. And he did that with his fingers. And as he did that, it was like a sword pierced my heart as he said each of those words. And me, this supposed hard man, burst into tears. And, there, and then asked God to forgive me for the things that I've done wrong, for ignoring him most of my life. I asked, and I said I wanted to live the rest of my life to try and to follow him. And so I welcomed God into my life at the age of 16. And I can tell you, when I did that, God literally changed me overnight. Now I stopped, I used to swear all the time, every, every sort of sentence there was a swear word in there, stopped automatically, just stopped doing it. Over the next few months, the way I viewed and, and treated women, that changed. Within two months of praying that prayer, I was helping down a soup kitchen that our local church was involved in because I wanted to serve the poor. God gave me faith to change. I was completely transformed over those few months. And that's my story. And I know many of you have your own story of how God broke into your life and has changed you. But you know, the Bible makes it clear that God is wanting to change you from one degree of glory to another. The Holy Spirit, the moment you put your faith in Jesus, comes and lives inside of you. And he wants to make you, and he wants to make me, more like Jesus. That's his work. And the funny thing is, the more you get to know God, the more you realize there's still a lot of work left to do. And in fact, the closer you get to him, you realize, ah, there's still more and more to do. Like the Apostle Paul could, could say, later on in his life, that he is the worst of sinners. Not he was, he is. I am. It's a present thing. Because as he was getting closer to God, he realized, God, there's still more and more work to be done in our life. God wants to give you fresh faith this morning to see you change, to become more like Jesus. There may be areas that you've been struggling with for a while. God wants to give you faith to see breakthrough in those areas. And for some of you, there's areas, uh, there's not areas, there's there's people in your life that are around you. You think, God, I've been praying for years that there'd be breakthrough, and there's no breakthrough. God wants to give you fresh faith this morning to see breakthrough, even in the hardest of hearts. As we look at the story of Jacob, he wants to teach us about faith to change and grace to forgive. They're the two areas that we want to look at with you today. So let's have a look at the story of Jacob, shall we, and see this faith to change. You see, Jacob is the younger twin. He's got an older uh, twin, Esau, and they are the answer to prayer of faithful Isaac, who, who when Re- Rebecca was not getting pregnant, prayed, God, give us some children. And she had twins. Whilst Rachel is pregnant, she's, uh, she's there and she's got this in so much pain and agony. And she's saying, God, what on earth's going on? And God says, 
Within you are two different nations. The older will serve the younger, which was the wrong way around culturally. You need to understand. But uh, so <laughs> that doesn't bode well for family relations going forward, does it? Two, two separate nations, God's told them, from before they were born. Um, and, J- and Jacob grew, um, was born literally clinging on to the heel of his older brother, Esau, as well. As Esau grew, he grew to be a, uh, a, a hairy man, a skillful hunter, a warrior, if you like. He was a man's man, and he was his father's favorite. Jacob, on the other hand, was a, a quiet domesticated mummy's boy and therefore his mummy's favorite uh, as well. The parents themselves having favorites didn't help sibling relationships you've got to understand and let's just make that little note to ourselves. Guys it's so important that we don't have favorites within our families. Let's learn the lesson from the Bible so we don't end up repeating the horrible mistakes and some of you may be living with the scars of knowing that you, know, you weren't quite loved as much as another sibling. Jesus is here today to give you fresh faith and to help heal you of some of that pain from your past as well. Esau, from a worldly point of view, you need to understand, culturally speaking, would have been viewed as the leader. He was the stronger one. He was the elder one. Yet he was a man just living for the moment. So he sells his birthright for some lentil stew. I mean, lentil stew. It wasn't even steak and chips. It was lentil stew. And what sort of man was Jacob to be cooking lentil stew? I mean, look at it. I mean, dal, in other words. It's just, ugh. I mean, why would he do that? And Esau doesn't care about the future or getting a double portion of his inheritance, which was his right as the eldest. He sells that for some lentils. Shows you what a man he was. Because he was a man for the moment, he sees a couple of women that he likes and he, he marries them. He takes them to be his wives as well. Not thinking anything about the promises of God over his family or um, what that would do for family life. It makes it bitter. The Bible said it made family life bitter, them being around. And yet, for whatever reason, Isaac, who is now old and has lost his, his vision, he's a, he can hardly see, still wants to give Esau the blessing as, as head of the family, if you like. And uh, so he tells Esau, go and, go and kill something and uh, cook it for me and then I'm going to bless you. Rebecca hears this and she plans with Jacob to deceive Isaac into giving Jacob the blessing of God. So what she does... And she says, I'm going to go and cook your dad his favorite food. You put on Esau's clothes here, and I'll make some garments of hair to put on your hands and on your neck so you're as hairy as Esau. I mean, how hairy was Esau? He must have been like a Chewbacca or something like that. A bit like this, I reckon. This was Jacob and Esau. There you go. That's that's not an exact picture, by the way, because there weren't cameras back there. But they would have been fighting each other as well, not, not, not together. But anyway... So Jacob goes in, and he, they end up deceiving their, their, their father, his father, so he can get the blessing 
of, of, of Esau. And uh, he, he gets that. And of course, when Esau hears this, he's absolutely mad. He's furious. And he says, I'm going to get that little mummy's boy. When dad's dead, I'm going to finish him, him off. So uh, Rebecca, again, mummy, comes to the rescue and says, oh, she hears of this plan. And so she says to her husband, um, she devises another plan. She's obviously a very cunning woman herself. But she, she devises another plan and says, oh, let, let's send Jacob away to my brother so he can get a wife from, from, from my, my brother's family over there. Uh, but her real plan is so that Jacob gets away from Esau because her brother lives hundreds of miles away in, in the north. So, so that, that's her, her reason there. And so Jacob flees from his brother and en route, God, in his goodness, meets with him. Let's read it in Genesis chapter 28. Genesis 28, verse 10, it says this. Jacob left Bathsheba and went to Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in the place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached the heavens. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. Notice he's not Jacob's God yet. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and will make you. Uh, uh, sorry, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set up a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a full tenth. So God, in his goodness, meets with Jacob and, uh, and begins to speak into his life. He would have seen the promises of God over his family, but God is beginning to speak to him. Anyway, Jacob goes on from there, and the trickster meets his match in his uncle. His uncle is even better at it than him. So Jacob ends up falling in love uh, with one of Laban's daughters, goes to marry her, but is tricked into marrying the wrong girl. He then is also promised some wages by his uncle, and his uncle changes his wages 10 
different times. He, he himself employs loads of dubious techniques to try and counteract what his uncle's doing. We're not supposed to copy the, the dubious techniques of Jacob, but we're supposed to see God's blessing on him, that despite that, God blessed him and um, caused him to be very uh, profitable and prosperous. Then after 20 years, God tells Jacob to go back to the land of his fathers. He's now a very rich man. And instead of trusting God and telling his uncle, God's told me I'm going, he sneaks off with his family to try and get away from Laban. So Laban comes to chase him down. His uncle chases him down with the intent of harming him. And yet God meets with Laban the night before. He, goes, he, he catches up with Jacob and says, you be careful what you say to Jacob. Don't say to him anything good or bad, otherwise I'll have you, sort of thing. And Jacob rightly understands when he says in Genesis 31, 42, if the God of my father, notice it's not his God yet as well, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. That's Genesis 31, 42. You see, this is Jacob, my friends. And the reason I've just given you a, a quite a broad outline of his lifestyle is it's not a very impressive resume so far, is it? You're supposed to look at that and think, oh my goodness, God. And yet God identifies himself as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And from the other two that we've looked at last week, Abraham and Isaac, both of them had big failings and big uh, weaknesses themselves. And the point is, we're supposed to, to see them and realize, oh, okay, actually, I'm no better than, than they are myself. I may not have the same failings. I may not have the same weaknesses as they had. And yet, uh, we should be disqualified from God's presence. And yet, because of his mercy, because of God's love, he loves to meet with us. He gives us faith to follow. He gives us faith to be faithful despite our weaknesses. He gives us faith to change so that we can stop being a deceiver in, in Jacob's part or a violent man or an arrogant person or someone who is proud or a gossip or a liar or an adulterer or someone who is sexually immoral or something like that. God gives us faith to change whatever we are struggling with ourselves, whether it be in our thoughts or deeds, God gives us faith to change. And God's offer of grace and gift to us is that when we put our faith in Jesus, we can be numbered amongst the people of God. And God himself will identify with you and with me. He will be the God of Simon or the God of Duncan or the, your name in there as well, because God loves to meet with you. Although we're called to partner with God, he is the one at work in us, changing us, wanting to make us to be more and more like Jesus. You don't think, ah, oh, don't think to yourself, oh, I could never change. Ah, oh, I've made such a mess in my life. God could never use me. Look at Jacob. Look at Abraham. Look at Isaac. They'd made big mistakes in their life, and yet they put their faith and their trust in God. And wow, look at what God chose to do through those guys. And when you put, God, when you put your faith in God, 
Who knows what he wants to do for you? And more than what he did for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, actually, God identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's more important than, than anything else. You see, I don't know if you ever had this, but when you've, uh, when you've been somewhere and there's someone very important or someone famous that you may know vaguely, and they recognize you in the room, say, oh, hi, how are you doing? And you, all of a sudden you feel so important, don't you? You think, oh, yes, that important. No, oh, we're like that, me and him, yeah. You don't really know him at all, but oh, yeah, we're, we're like that. And it raises, you, you suddenly feel very pleased that they know you. My friends, the living God who created heaven and earth is happy to identify with you when you put your faith in Jesus. He becomes your God. You know, the famous writer C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and The Wardrobe, in his book, The Weight of God's Glory, when he's talking about the glory that uh, believers will experience in heaven. He says, this is what the Bible refers to, that glory. It's referring to the fact that you are known by God and that God himself identifies with you. More than that, he writes this, to please God, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness, to be loved by God, delighted in as an artist delights in his work or a father in a son it seems an impossible weight of glory which our thoughts could hardly sustain but so it is God when you put your faith in him when you when you turn to Jesus and when we live for Jesus identifies himself with you and he identifies himself with me and this morning God wants to give you fresh faith to, to change, to become more like Jesus. And he wants to give you fresh faith to see those around you, even the hardest of hearts, change to become like Christ. Amen? Amen. One of the areas, the second area that God... Oh yeah, if you want to... You might need to catch up. We've got on, to, on the next one, grace to, uh, grace, to, grace to forgive. There you go. That's it. Yeah, one of the things um, that God wants to work in us is he wants to increase our ability to forgive people, to uh, release the power of forgiveness amongst us. You see, you see this in the most unlikely place in this story with Jacob. So Jacob is now coming back to the land of his father. So he thinks, I better let Esau know that I'm coming. So he sends messengers to Esau to let him know that he, he is coming. And the messengers come back and tell him that uh, Esau is coming with 400 men with him to, to greet you. And uh, Jacob thinks, of course, super big hairy warrior legend uh, Esau has 400 men with him now. He's got an army following him. What else can he be coming to do but to, to kill me? So Jacob begins to, to panic and he panics and he prays this prayer to God. Again, it's interesting, the prayer, because it's not Jacob's God yet either. Oh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. This is uh, 32 verse 9. Oh, Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of the deeds of steadfast love and faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan 
and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me and the mothers with, with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So Jacob prays that, and then he devises his own plans to separate his, 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 uh, his goods out. He sends some appeasement gifts towards uh, Esau. He, he divides his spoil, and then he divides his family, putting the least fam- uh, favorite family members first, and the most favorite, Joseph, right at the back. So he has the best chance of escape as well. So before we move on, let's just stop there and look at what's going on here, because the same thing happens again and again all around the world and in, in your life as well. Not that your brother's coming to kill you, but what happens in it, what's happening here in Jacob's mind happens all over. You see, we see and we hear things with our, uh, uh, with, with our eyes and, and our ears. If you want to go on to, to, to the next thing. And what happens then is instantly... In order for what we've seen and heard to try and make sense of it, we fit that inside a story in our mind as we try to interpret the facts here. So with Jacob, this, you know, the, the, the truth is he, he's got 400 men coming with his brother to see him. When he left, his brother wanted him dead for uh, swindling him out of the blessing and also the fact that he took his birthright uh, as well. So, uh, he, so he deduces from that. My brother's coming to kill me. That's, what, that's, what he, that's a story in his mind. From that story, that affects his feelings. So he begins to panic greatly. And then because he's panicking, he, uh, that affects his actions as well. So he sends appeasement, appeasement gifts out to his brother. He, um, he, he divides his spoil and he, he splits his family up, puts the positioning of the family as he, he does there. You see, this model that you see on the screen behind you of seeing, hearing things, you tell a story, feel something and act is, is something that actually psychologists and sociologists recognize. We all do this. And the problem is, is that often when we, um, with the story that we that we, we tell in our mind is not necessarily the right one. And what we can often do is we can turn people into villains or victims. That's the two things. Villains And villains can do no right. Big hairy Esau with his army of bloodthirsty thugs. And victims can do no wrong. My poor little innocent children, they, you know, they can do, they're, they're, they're harmless. Well, we're going to spend the whole of summer looking at how harmless those poor innocent children were as we look at the life of, of Joseph. And we'll see that they weren't innocent little children. You see, church, the, we mustn't do this with people in our mind. The Bible says this in Philippians 2, verse 3. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. You see, if we apply that scripture to the stories that we tell in our mind, actually, I'll tell you, it would save, uh, save us a lot of trouble in, in the church. If we applied that to our spouse 
if we applied that to our family or to our brother and sister in Christ or to our work colleagues, if we apply that scripture to our lives, then, then actually we, uh, we, we, would, we would not end up falling into making people into villains or in, into victims. If we recognize the fact that we actually, these, yes, there are facts that we see, but there's a story that is not necessarily the facts. It may be right, but it also may be wrong. And where we don't know, we should give people the benefit of their doubt and we should think of others as better than ourselves. For you see, in this situation, Jacob was wrong, wasn't he? Esau was not coming to kill him with a merciless band of thugs. He was coming with a welcome party to welcome his brother who he had forgiven and moved on from hating in his heart. He didn't want anything from Jacob. He kept saying, I don't want your gifts. Jacob made him have them, but he didn't want them. He just wanted the relationship restored, which it was. And later on, you see in the Bible that they bury their father together, and there's no record of the two of them fighting for the rest of their lives. Their descendants did hundreds of years later, but for a long time, they didn't. My friends, that is the power of forgiveness. It could have eaten up Esau. Esau could have been consumed by it and, and gone to, out to kill Jacob and God have to appear to Esau like he did Laban and say, you watch how you deal with Jacob. But God didn't have to do that because in this part of the story, and probably only this part of the story, Esau is a good example to us. My friends, even when your story in your, your mind is right and the person turns out to be a bit of a villain or wrong in that situation, like Jacob was a villain in, in, in this story, we need to be quick to forgive. Christ has forgiven you of much more than you could ever forgive somebody else. So we need to take a fraction of that forgiveness that we have received and give it to other people as well. You think forgiveness is letting the person off the hook? It's not. Leave that person to to God. Forgiveness actually sets you free. Forgiveness sets you free from so much hurt, so much disappointment, so much bitterness which can build up inside of you and end up consuming your life and robbing you of the joy that God wants to have. And more than that, as you forgive other people, you're actually resembling your heavenly Father and you bring pleasure. You bring happiness to the heart of God as you're changed into more Christ-likeness. It's not easy to forgive. I'm not saying it's easy. But God gives you the grace to forgive. What's interesting in this story as well, it's in the light of this encounter of, uh, that, that, that Jacob has with knowing that Esau's coming and then he has an, a strange encounter with God because he's panicking and he's, he's saying, God, help me in, in this situation. He knows that he's done wrong. He knows there should be consequences for the actions that he's taken and he turns to God for, for help in that strange passage where he wrestles with a man all night. The man turns out to be God and he says, I'm not going to let you go, God, until you bless me. And God 
blesses him. God, in that encounter, changes his name from Jacob to, uh, to Israel. He gives him a new identity, just like he'd given his grandfather, Abraham, the name Abraham. He gave Abraham a new identity. And here he gives, he gives Jacob a new identity, which is interesting, isn't it? It's, it's in the light of his encounter with God and this forgiveness that he receives that he actually adopts that new identity and becomes Israel. Because after that encounter with Esau, he goes and builds an altar and he names that place to the God of Israel. Isn't that interesting? It's in the context of needing God's help for the things, for the consequences of the sins that we have done and, forget, and receiving forgiveness that Jacob takes on his new identity. He receives faith to change. And it's in the context for us of recognizing that we need God's help in our life, that we can't do it. I think, I think these microphones are affecting it a little bit, are they? Uh, okay, of needing God's help in, in our lives and turning to him and receiving his forgiveness that we receive a fresh faith to change and to embrace our new identity that we have in Christ. It's in this place that God wants to work in us through the power of his Holy Spirit. He wants to give us fresh faith to change, to become more like Jesus. My friends, that is the power of forgiveness. It sets you free to be the person that God has called you to be in your life. And it releases the power of forgiveness into other people's lives as well to, to set them free. That's why we're called to forgive even as we ourselves have been forgiven. So in conclusion, my friends, God, through the power of his Holy Spirit at work in us, gives us fresh faith to change, to become more like Jesus, and grace to release the power of forgiveness amongst us as a community. Amen? Amen. You know, God, I believe, wants to, to move amongst us this morning. There's some people, I feel, that he's wanting to work in, in your hearts here this morning as I've been speaking. And God wants to... There's some people here that you know that you've been struggling with an area in your life and that you've not been seeing breakthrough in that area. And God wants to give you fresh faith to see yourself, uh, to see breakthrough in this area so you can change in that area and become more like Jesus. For others of you, you've been really struggling. There's, there's, with this, there's this person uh, that, that, you know, it might be at work, it might be within your family, that you've been really struggling. You think, God, I need you to break into this situation. Again, come and receive fresh faith this morning to to see God break through into that person. And then there's also for others of us, where you've been hurt in the past, where someone has, has damaged you, God wants to set you free from that. He wants to set you free from the pain of that. You've, you've been hurt and you've been holding on to it and you know you need to forgive somebody and you're just, you're just holding on to that and it's actually affecting you in the rest of your life. God wants to give you grace 
this morning to, to forgive that person and to set you free from it. So before I call the band up uh, and uh, invite them to, to come up and lead us in a song and you guys can respond to that, I just want to give you an opportunity here this morning if you don't know Jesus, if you've never received his forgiveness in your life, if you want that this morning, I'd love to pray with you as well. So I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes and to, to bow their heads. If you're here this morning and you know you're not in a right place with God and you want to receive that faith to, to change, you want to get right with God, then just pray this prayer in your heart along with me, just as I did all those years ago. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all the things that I've done, said and thought that are wrong before you. Forgive me for ignoring you for most of my life. And help me, Lord, to live the rest of my life for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've prayed that along with me this morning and made that your prayer, please come and speak to me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you more about that decision you've made. But can I invite the band back now? We're going to sing one last song. But as we sing this song, if you know you need fresh faith, to change in an area that you're struggling with, that you have not seen breakthrough in, come and get prayer for that. If there's somebody in your life that you're, you've been praying for, you've been, God, please break into this situation, into this person's life, and nothing seems to be happening, come and get some brothers and sisters to stand alongside you and pray for you. And if you've been hurt by somebody, and actually you know you're struggling in your heart to forgive them, it's not easy, my friends, but come and get prayer for that. Come and come stand along, get someone to come and stand alongside you and, get, and pray for you that you can receive fresh grace to forgive that person that you need to. Can I invite you to stand? I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to hand back to the band. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love us. Lord, thank you that you are the one who is at work in our lives. Lord God, you're the one who gives us faith to change, Lord God. And I just pray, would you just move on each one of us this morning, Lord God. And Father, whether there's those of us that need to respond this morning to this word, they need that extra help of a brother and sister coming alongside them and praying for them, Lord God. I pray that you would give them the grace to respond, Lord Jesus. And Father, for the rest of us, as we, as we go about our daily lives trying to live for you, Lord, I just pray, would you pour out your spirit upon us and give us fresh faith to look to you in every situation, Lord God. Give us fresh faith to, to, to trust you, Lord God, and, to, and also give us fresh faith, Lord God, to think of others as better than ourselves when we come across difficult situations that we all do from time to time. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.